it down. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I'm going to tell on my husband for a minute. For like a year and a half, um, I've been saying, we need to do a series on the Bible. We need to do a series on the Bible. And he's like, oh, well, you want to do that series, so you should do it. I'm like, you're the pastor. You feed the sheep. And um, so we finally compromised. And I'm, I'm doing one part of this series. <laughs> because I love you that much and because I think this is that important, I am uh, very much outside of my natural comfort zone and uh, going to stand before you today and um, share the word of God as he's deposited it in, in me. But um, how many of you have enjoyed this series? You know, my greatest desire for you... Um, as I stand in this role is not that you would be drawn to me or connected to me in any way, shape, or form, but that as I lift him up, you would be drawn to him. And um, I believe that if you're going to be drawn to God, you've got to do exactly what we've talked about. You've got to love the word, you've got to learn the word, and you've got to live the word. Uh, Because the word of God is the will of God. And, you know, John 1, 1 says that in the beginning um, was the word, it was God. And, and he's told us everything that we need to know about how to navigate life on this earth. And I just don't think that we can be uh, who God's called us to be and live in everything that God's provided for us if we don't know the word. Uh, so we're going to jump in this morning. But before we do, I want to pray. Father God, I I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to speak your word. I thank you for um, the stories and illustrations. I thank you for the scriptures that you've brought to my remembrance. I thank you, Father, that you give me the ability to uh, communicate this exactly as you have deposited it in me. And Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that they would have ears to hear, they would have eyes to see, and they would have a heart to receive, Father God, that today they would leave knowing you a little more and having been transformed a little bit more into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, um, I think if you have sat in a church at all, you, you know the basics that, you know, God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be separated from him by our sin, but he sent Jesus, his son, to the earth uh, to die on the cross and be raised again three days later so that we might uh, know God for ourselves and spend eternity in heaven. And so Jesus has provided a way for us to spend eternity in heaven, but he's also provided a way for us to live in this world and not be of this world. He's provided a way for us to live in this world. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. That tells me that Jesus doesn't want me to just exist or barely get by here. He wants me to enjoy life. And, and whole life, my whole life, whole life prosperity. So I think sometimes we read something like this and we just equ- uh, equate it to money and material things. But you're not enjoying life if you don't have peace. You're not enjoying life if you're full of bitterness and unforgiveness. You're not enjoying life if you're full of worry and fear and regret and anxiety, if you're depressed. You're not enjoying life if you're experiencing or living in according to those things. 
When we live according to the word, we live in the freedom Jesus bought and paid for us to live in. What is that definition of live? It means to act out, which translates into action. It means we put into practice. This means that there's action in our part when we're living according to the word. When we live according to the word, John 8.36 says that the, the son has made you free. And if he's made you free, then you are unquestionably free. You know, there is, there's a constant barrage of information, outside information coming to us, and inside information with our feelings and emotions that would cause us to feel like we're not living free. Would you agree with that? I don't know that I always feel like I'm living free. The definition of free is not under the control or power of another, able to act or be done as one wishes, no longer confined or imprisoned. You know, we teach our children all the time that they are the boss of their bodies and they have the freedom to choose to act according to their feelings and emotions or act according to the word of God and in obedience to the things that mom and dad are teaching them. To live free, I think we have to understand what we are free from, all right? So Jesus hasn't just made a way for you to spend eternity in heaven, but Jesus has made a way for you to be free and live free of bondages, addictions, anxiety, fear, worry, depression, confusion, hopelessness, you are actually free from all of those things already because of what Jesus has done. When I live according to the word, I am not overwhelmed by the craziness of society and the fact that we live in a post-Christian era. That doesn't freak me out because I know that I was born for such a time as this. I'm not bound by fear and anxiety when I think of the future because I know that the plans that God has for me are good and that I'm going to take the past that he's prearranged and made ready for me to live, living the good life that he's already planned for me. The word says that. I'm not an alarmist about every single thing that I see going on that is contrary to the word of God because I understand that sinners sin. And I understand that the God of this world is Satan. And his plan for this world is destruction. It is death. So this stuff, it doesn't alarm me. I don't live in a state of worry because Jesus has actually commanded me not to. Situations and circumstances that catch me off guard do not knock me out because I am not a victim. I am an overcomer because of Christ Jesus. Yes, we live in challenging times. Yes, it is dark out there and it is getting darker. Listen, John 16, says, Jesus speaking, and he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He said there's going to be trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Listen, listen to these verses in 2 Timothy 3. It says this, understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, 
ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's what the word says. Do you know what that does for me? It doesn't freak me out. It breeds confidence in me because what's going on out there, he's already told me it's going to happen. He's already told me that it's going to be hard. He's already told me it's going to be dark. He's already told me it's going to be difficult. But then he said, take heart. I've told you these things so you can have peace. We aren't supposed to be all up in arms during a storm. Do you know, um, anybody ever watched the Marvel movies and how Iron Man, like, he, he shares his plans of whatever he is he's building. He doesn't pull out paper plans. It's like this, like, 3D or 4D thing, you know, that's, like, in front of him, and he can make his hands move it all around and see it from all kinds of angles. It's not one-dimensional. That, that's the same for the word. It's not one-dimensional. All right? There's, there's so much to it. And so... I want to look at a story today, and I want you to see it from maybe a, a different dimension or from a different angle that you haven't heard before. And it's Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. Jesus has spent all day teaching people, and that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. They were on the shore, and he wanted to go over to the other side onto uh, dry land. He said, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. They were also, there were also other boats with him, and a furious squall or storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, we've heard this story and so many times we hear it in the context of, hey, Jesus is with us in our storm and he speaks to the storm. And I believe that's true. But another dimension of this story, I believe as children of God, as people who have been empowered with the word of God and the spirit of God, that we need to identify with Jesus in this story. And that we're supposed to be the ones saying, peace, be still to the storm. And in our boat, it's full of the people in our realm of influence. Our neighbors, our coworkers, our employees, our family members, our friends, those that we do life with. And they're in the boat and they are freaking out. Do you see what is going on around here? There is this absolute craziness. And what are we doing? We have peace. We're sleeping. We're like, it's all okay. And when they get so loud and so alarmed that they wake us up, what do we do? We speak Jesus. We speak life. We speak peace. Amen? That's who we're supposed to be. There isn't a single thing that you or I will ever experience that is a surprise to God. Not one single thing. 
There's not a situation. There's not a circumstance. There's not an interaction. There's not a doctor's report. There's not a relationship disintegrating. There's not a choice made by someone else that affects us. There's not a decision that our children make. There's nothing that we encounter that is a surprise to God. So what does that do for me? If nothing is a surprise to him, then I know that I can go to my creator. I can go to my heavenly father, and I can go through his word and say, how do I handle this situation? What do I do? How do I navigate this? Because it's not a surprise to you. In order to live free in everything that the Lord has called us to, we have to stand firm. Galatians 5.1 says, <coughs> I'm sorry. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Listen, I understand that there are times that we don't feel free. And I understand that there are situations in your life where you could say, hey, you don't know what's going on in my world. You don't know uh, the particular bent I have towards addiction. You don't know the environment that I was raised in. You don't know how this goes back generations. And you're right, I don't. But I do know what the word says. And the word says that you have been completely liberated. Completely liberated. So no matter what it is you're dealing with, you can choose to stand firm on the truth, which is the word of God. We sang about it this morning. Our house has to be built on a firm foundation. The firmest of foundations is the word of God. We've got to love the word, learn the word, and live the word. Jesus has set us free, and we have to choose to stand firm and not allow ourselves to get sucked by, back into the things that we've been made free from. I think that there are many of us today who are not living in the fullness of the freedom that Jesus provided for. As disciples of Jesus, we're supposed to be continually transformed into his image. The only way to be continually transformed into his image is to be in the word, learning the word, and living the word. When we do that, we get to experience the freedom that Jesus paid for in every area of our lives. So how do we do this? How do we experience freedom? How do we navigate all of the junk that's going on in the world today? How do we navigate the situations that we find ourselves in that are um, just, that make us weary and make us tired and that disappoint us and frustrate us? What do we do? We stand firm on the word of God. The word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. That means if I need clarity, this is where I go. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the division of soul and spirit. So if I need to discern between my soul, which is my mind and will and emotions, and my spirit, I go to the word. Piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Ephesians 6.17 calls the sword of the spirit the word of God. The word of God is a tool and a weapon to do battle. So when you think of this, 
And when you see this on your nightstand, your coffee table, your bookshelf, or when you pull out this to open your app with your, of your word, this is what you should see. I wanted like a much more formidable one, like, you know, eight <laughs> feet, like, but this was, this was it. This is my, my SOS to a bunch of moms in the house. Like, does anybody have a sword? Oh, my, oh, my kids have trashed ours, so they're all in, they're in the trash, which is fine. It, they, my boys don't need swords right now. Um, <laughs> so just imagine this is like eight feet long, okay, and super sharp and gleaming. When you see the word of God, you need to see a sword a tool, a weapon to do battle. Listen, all of the negative stuff is because of a spiritual battle, okay? We live in a physical realm, but we're spirit beatings. We're part of a spiritual realm. And the word tells us that we're, that we're gonna be in this world, but we're not supposed to be of this world. So if I'm going to fight the spiritual battle, I need my weapon of choice, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And when I use this sword, this tool, this is what comes in contact with whatever I'm dealing with. What does a hammer come in contact with? And what does a saw come in contact with? Right. So I'm not touching that stuff. My tool is. So all of the junk negative emotions, circumstances, situations, all of that stuff. I'm not touching that stuff. This is touching it. The word of God is touching it. Always put a tool between yourself and fear. Always put a tool between yourself and depression. Always put a tool between yourself and worry. Always put a tool between yourself and anxiety. Always put a tool between yourself and sickness. Always put a tool between yourself and lack. This tool is what is supposed to touch those things and obliterate them. What the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to sit in your emotions. He wants you to sit in your feelings. He wants you to sit in your fear, in your worry, in your anxiety, in your loss. And then he wants to use your imagination to let it run wild. Right? He wants to use your imagination for negative impact. He wants you to be so emotionally torn up that you don't know how to navigate a situation. You don't even know how to pray. You certainly don't have any desire to open your word. So how do we combat this? We don't live according to our emotions. We live according to the word of God. No matter how we feel, and when we feel like it the least is when we pull this out and open it up. Listen, a few years ago, um, I was pregnant with our second child, 2017, and um, I, I knew something wasn't exactly right, and so I went at 10 weeks and, and had an ultrasound, and then as I was laying there waiting for the ultrasound, the word of God rose up on the inside of me, and he said, um, great is my faithfulness. 
Great is my faithfulness. My word still stands. Great is my faithfulness. And at the end of that ultrasound, I found out that I had miscarried. And so at that point, I have a decision to make. Am I going to sit in my feelings on my own? Am I going to ask why? Am I going to be so torn up with grief? Or am I going to go to my heavenly father and say, Lord, I'm hurting. I don't understand. But your word says that I can have a peace that passes all understanding. And so I don't need to understand. I just want your peace. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to be who you say you are in the word. Be my counselor. Be my comforter. Be my helper. Be my strength. And help me navigate this situation. Because we're not supposed to live hurt. We're not supposed to live with all these open wounds. We're supposed to live whole. And so I went to him with all of my feelings and emotions and something that, that the enemy would have loved to have caused me to separate and pull back from God and his word. The joke's on him. It pulled me closer to my Lord, closer to my creator. Because he made me, he loves me, he only has good for me. That's what the word says. So when I experience something that's contrary to that, I know that that's not from him. And then the word says that he turns everything for his good and for my good and his glory. And so I trust him to do that. I trust him to take a situation that was very painful and turn around and use it for his glory. So do I live in the fact that there will always be an empty chair at my table? Yes, I do. But it doesn't cause me pain because he's restored my soul. Because I've invited him in, I went to his word and I allowed him to heal me. The enemy wants to keep us distracted in our feelings. He wants us to ask why. I, I choose not to, not because I'm foolish, but because I know who I'm trusting in. I'm trusting in my creator. I'm trusting in my heavenly father. And you know what? There won't be things that I fully understand on this earth, and that's okay. Because just like I'm teaching my children that they're not going to fully understand everything I instruct them to do or teach them to do, I want them to love me and trust me enough to know mom is taking care of me. And if she says it, it's all right. If she says it, it's going to be okay. I don't have to understand the backstory. I don't have to ask why for all the things. I just know she loves me, and she's teaching me what I need to know, and so I'm going to trust her. That's what the Lord wants from us. He wants us to take him at his word. You can't take him at his word if you don't know his word. Listen, living free is not just about us. When we look out, when we live according to the word, and we look out at humanity, we have compassion. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. I need to see people that way. 
when we live with the compassion and we live according to the word, we're not demonizing people groups. That's not who Jesus is. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9. Listen to what Paul said. He said, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whomever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I hear that as I wanted to live it. Listen, Jesus did not sit down with sinners and eat with them because he wanted to be seen as inclusive and accepting. He did it because he loved them and he wanted them to be transformed into his image. That is supposed to be our heart. That is where we are supposed to navigate what is going on in this world from. A place of compassion. Keeping our bearings in Christ. Not living their way of life. But leading them into a God-saved life. I think that we are in a time of spiritual unrest. I think that we are living in a time where we are uncomfortable. And there's all kinds of stuff going on in the spirit realm. And I don't, that's not weird or flighty. That's just, that's the reality of the situation. There's a, a, a contention between good and evil. There's contention between Jesus and the devil. And the thing is, is that Jesus is already one, but Satan is trying to pull as many people as he can his direction. He wants it to hurt. He's angry that Jesus is one. And so he wants as many people as possible to be deceived. And I think that we're in a time right now where we are being deceived because we are full of mainstream media. We're full of uh, social media influencers. We're, we're being distracted by political parties and all the things that divide us. We're, we are saying things like, well, if, if this person was just in office or if this uh, political party just had a, a, a control of the Senate or whatever, if, if, if these people would just hush up, if this wouldn't be allowed in the schools anymore, if, this, if these people would just get together, get with it, everything would be okay. There would be peace. That's not true. That's not true. That's not what the word says. We already read what the word says. He said that there's going to be trouble. He said it's going to be hard. He said it's going to be difficult. But he also said in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And we, as children of God, have to be more focused on what this says than what's going on out here. The enemy wants us so up in our feelings and reacting out of emotion. Instead, we're supposed to be a stabilizing force from the word of God. In Psalms, it says, I cling to you and you hold me steady as a post. This is how you stay steady. Listen, I don't make decisions from a place of fear. 
everything that's going on in the world today, it does not cause me fear or alarm. It, it brings confidence in me, in my God, in Jesus, in his word. If you've given your heart to Christ, the enemy is working overtime to keep your eyes fixed on everything but him. He wants us angry, he wants us bitter, he wants us fearful, he wants us distracted, and he wants us paralyzed. Because if we're doing that, then we're not speaking peace to the people in our boats. We're not leading people into a God-saved life. And I believe that that's part of who we're supposed to be. Listen to this verse, John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That's who you are. You are the whoever believes in me, and you will do the works that Jesus has been doing, and you will do even greater things than he did if you live according to the word. What, are, what greater works can we do than what Jesus did? Well, listen, he abides on the inside of us once you give your heart to him. His spirit, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in you. You have access to him 24-7. So what does this look like? It looks like our mandate of love all, serve all. It looks like when I'm in the market basket checkout line and Miriam, the lady on the other side of the counter, I ask her how she's doing and she said, oh, my back is in so much pain. I can say, oh, Miriam, I'm so sorry. And I don't just empathize with her. I speak Jesus into her situation. I say, Miriam, I'm so sorry to hear that. Would you mind if I prayed for you? Most people are caught off guard and we're like, sure, okay. Then do you know what I do? I don't grab her hand and prophesy and yell and draw attention to myself and her very respectfully and very confidently, I just say, Lord, thank you for Miriam. Lord, she says her back hurts. And your word says that you sent Jesus to heal us. And so right now, I thank you for taking her pain away. And Lord, I ask that today she experiences your love for herself. In Jesus' name. Miriam, thank you so much for checking me out today. I'm going to continue to believe God that your back is whole and I go on my way. It's super simple, but it has the power and ability to transform someone's life. And see, if I'm all caught up and distracted in my own pain, in my own circumstances, in my own situations, if I'm offended at every little thing, if I'm bound up by fear and anxiety and worry, I'm not seeing the Miriams. And I'm missing out on what God has for me. Knowing the word of God is so imperative because you knowing the word and you living the word is going to be a part of someone else's freedom story. Uh, a few, well, not a few. We're going to say decades. Let me say that. I shouldn't say a few. And tell you, I'll tell you part of my story. Uh, when I was five, um, uh, a few months before my sixth birthday, uh, I started just not feeling well. I would have fevers and coughs, and my body would ache, and just, just, 
I just wasn't feeling well. And it got to the point where I couldn't walk. And my parents um, were in church on a Sunday, and uh, they were going to take me to the hospital the next day to find out what was going on. They had already taken me to a pediatrician on a Saturday, and his response was, hey, you need to take her to uh, Texas Children's in downtown Houston Monday morning. And so we were in church on Sunday, and my mom was, was holding me, and she felt someone sit down beside us. And this hot breath whispered in her ear, and it said, she's going to die. And my mom responded immediately with these words from her mouth, no, she will live, and she will declare the word of the Lord. And that ugly presence went away immediately. The next day, we went to Texas Children's, and after a, a full day of tests, someone from the finance department called my mom in and said, hey, if your daughter uh, were to have a major medical uh, emergency or challenge, how would you pay for it? And my mom said, well, my husband has been laid off, and our home is in foreclosure, and so she can't have a medical major emergency, a, medical, a major medical emergency because we have no health insurance. We have no way to pay for it. And uh, right on the hills of that, a doctor came in and said, uh, your daughter has acute lymphatic leukemia. But my mom had already declared the end from the beginning the night before. She had already spoken the word that she needed to speak before she even knew what the facts were. She spoke the truth. And then over the course of time, my parents had to stand firm on that word as I went through chemo and bone marrow and spinal taps and lost my hair and all of those things that come apart along with that. But today, I stood before you and declared the word of God. My question to you is, what would have happened if my mom could not have answered that with the word of God? What would have happened if she didn't love the word, learn the word, and live the word? Because that is a part of my freedom story. And you have people in your lives that need you to live the word. They need you to be more concerned about living like Jesus lived. In social media posts, political parties, opinions, personal preferences. They need you to be so consumed with the word of God that you see yourself as Jesus sees you and you see them as he sees them with compassion. Living out the truth of the word in front of them. Listen, people don't care anymore that you live by standards of the Bible. In fact, if you, if you say something and they say, why do you believe that? And you say the Bible, people just basically dismiss you. Because it's foolishness to them. And actually the word says that. The word tells us that that's how it will be. But what they cannot dismiss 
is when you speak life over them and they experience peace for the first time. What they cannot dismiss is when you speak Jesus into their situation and pain leaves their body. What they cannot dismiss is experiencing the presence of God for themselves. And that can happen not just in this room and in this house, but that can happen in your car, in your home, in your place of work, in your school, wherever you go, you take him with you. So because of you, and in spite of us, people can experience Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Maybe today you, you've never had the opportunity or you've never um, accepted Jesus as your Savior. I want to give you um, the opportunity to do that today. All I want you to do is raise your hand and, and we'll pray a prayer together. And I, and I want to do this separately, though. I Specifically right now, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you've never prayed that prayer, would you? but you want to today, would you raise your hand and just let me know? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Maybe today you would say, you know what, Pastor Stephanie, I have prayed that prayer but I need to rededicate myself. I, I haven't been living according to the word and I want to surrender all of it to him and, and I want to choose to live according to his plan for my life. If you want to rededicate yourself today, would you raise your hand? I see those, yes, thank you. I see. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Father God, Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to this earth to die for me. I believe that he rose from the dead and that my sins are forgiven. And so today, I ask you to come into my heart and make me new. In Jesus' name. And now, Father... I'm going to pray for you, okay? Lord God, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that today they come to love your word a little bit more. Lord, I pray that in the darkest moments, in the loneliest moments, in the hardest moments, that they would see the word as the sword that they need to fight through whatever is coming their way. Lord, I pray that we are more focused and our eyes are set intently upon you and the truth of your word and that you carry us through every valley season. In Jesus' name, amen.